Hello Thunder Nerds, it's 5.54 in the morning and we're about to watch the brand new episode of Doctor Who. So excited. See you on the other side of this. Thunder Nerds are go! Thunder Nerds, the day has finally arrived, and the, the day Star of Beast, the Doctor, the day of the Doctor, the Star Beast has released. Um, we Star are on Beast the other side of it landed. now. It's landed. Star Beast has landed. Mm, we're on the other side now. We've watched it. Um, Indigo, I, I want to ask you mm. how how early how early did you wake up this morning? Well, uh, I woke up about. 5.45, and I've, I did, didn't tell you this, but people have already heard it at the beginning of the episode. I put a little recording of my anticipation right at about, you know, 5.50-something in the morning, and that's going to be mm. the intro to this episode. So, that will be Fantastic. the first thing that everyone's heard before the music plays, and I, um, here we are. What time did you wake up? I woke up I woke up three times last night. I so so did of, I. So did I. Out of just anticipation, I, I woke up and I, mm. I, I, I spun around, grabbed my phone, and I'm like... Oh no! Same. I've missed it. Same. <laughs> and then I, I looked at him. Oh god, it's it's two uh, two a.m. Thank God. Yep. And then I woke up finally about. I woke up. I think half an hour early, and I was just mm-hmm. laying in bed, just just refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. Oh, and did then, you really? Then, so you saw it like yeah. straight? Yeah, I got out of bed about like yeah. I watched it with Liam. Got out of bed, and then he. I was like, Liam, get up now, get up, boy. And then, um, and um, mm, mm, yep. I um. Uh, just a heads up, uh, Thunder nerds that are listening. I um, I haven't taken in. I haven't taken any notes. This is purely just my, I guess, just off the cuff um, thoughts, guttural reactions to it. Yeah. I mean, I know you and you have taken quite extensive notes because you've seen this twice today I, already. Yeah, I watched it like in the morning, and I was obviously was tired. I was just absorbing everything as it happened, and then I thought. I went home and then I thought I'll just watch it again and take some notes to, so that we mm. can kind of guide through because it's a, it's an odd one for me where I don't take as many notes, Thunder Nerds, for... I take notes for the Star Trek ones. Don't take as many for the our retrospective of Doctor Who just because I I, I know them so well. That, that Whereas this one, I'm going, okay, I, I'm going to kind of forget moments in this probably, so I'll need to write it down just so I know what we're talking about. But there was a lot to, to go through. I want to know from you... Just you know, obviously no notes. Just your your first reaction after seeing it, um, where you think it landed for you. We won't do the rating yet, but just like, what did you think of the Star Beast? Okay, let me preface this mm. by saying I had just woken up. Yep, I I was probably semi conscious. For for most of the viewing, I, I, like the looking back, I slipping I think in. It was like mm. I was I was very tired. Yep. But I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um. Pretty much, I think it landed about where I was prepared for it to land. Mm-hmm. I didn't love it. I yep. didn't love it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Yep. But I am comfortable in saying there were things I really liked and mm-hmm. the things i i thought mm, didn't wasn't a fan of i guess yep yep off the cuff yep um all right well i'll give my high level thoughts um it it landed exactly where i thought it would land mm. for me um 
I was. This was never the special. I, I feel like I've said this a lot, or at least I've indicated as such. If I haven't said it outright, I feel like what I talk about on this podcast and what I have been talking about for the last few weeks. If you read between the lines, you'll probably know that this is just not the special that my eyes are are locked on. My eyes are set to next week and also to special three. But I feel like I also know roughly based off Russell T Davies' track record what I'll get with special three um if i was to but so when we were leading up to the release of the star beast um and josh hasn't seen all of new doctor who he hasn't seen the russell t davies era we've mentioned that before so we're we're doing the retrospective now he's watching the russell t davies era properly for the first time and so there was there's there's points of references that i can point to to say before this story oh i think I think that this is going to be like partners in crime uh, tonally. That's a story from, um, that's a tenant story, right? And I, I'd looked at the trailer, I'd looked at the posters for the Star Beast, and I thought, I think this is going to land tonally where something like partners in crime will land. And that was that was just based off the look of Beep the Meep, like hearing Russell talk about it being more of a whimsical kind of fun story, like a Pixar kind of movie, E.T. kind of thing. Um, and I think it lands pretty much tonally exactly around that story to me, like the ridiculousness of mm. uh, Sorry, the ridiculousness of it, the the kind of fantastical nature of the story. It doesn't take itself too seriously at all. I don't think. Like you've got almost like a Q like wheelchair gadget where it's like firing missiles out. I, f- I feel like it's Doctor Who firing on all cylinders in terms of just going. We're going to do. Like Russell, Russell seems to know, and I think the reviews pointed like uh, this way as such, where Russell knows that the general premise of Doctor Who is pretty whacked, and uh, I feel like he doesn't take it too seriously. It is ultimate camp and cheese story. I feel the Star Beast. Um, there that's was the impression I got as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I was yeah, I was prepared for camp. Mm. and i got i got camp yeah we, f- we all got camp exactly and it feels like it's um it's just getting i i think we all knew that this was coming like in terms of a mission statement where it's like hey david Tennant's back Catherine tate's back like let's let's just get the wheels back on track and and remind people what doctor who was when it was a when it was a powerhouse back in you know 2009 when when russell left um it feels like it's almost probably more so than the other specials are going to feel. I think that there was probably a mission statement of saying, let's make this story as if it's like a a, a missing story from like that that original Davies run. You know what I mean? It feels like it's straight out of the back end of that Russell T Davies first era, I think. And, mm. Mm. you know, Catherine Tate doesn't feel like she's missed a step. David Tennant feels like he doesn't hasn't missed a step. There's little indications throughout the episode, but not a hell of a lot, that this Doctor is a different Doctor to David Tennant. There's moments where he says things that maybe the 10th Doctor may not have said, and I think that they're probably going to play into that more in these following two specials. But I don't think it's ever going to, and I, I never have thought that it was ever going to diverge too far away from his portrayal as the 10th Doctor, only mm. because it was an iconic performance, I think people. And you're bringing it back for a reason. You're bringing him back, 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 back for a you know, reason. You know, you're not going to have him change the performance like yeah. completely upside down. I think we always knew mm. that this doctor was going to be similar to Tennant, 
uh, as he was as the Tenth Doctor, and then there might just be some little narrative beats that might be a little bit different, mm. where the where you see, okay, this Doctor's carrying, you know, the Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, the Jodie Whittaker experiences um, within him. So I might be off the ball here, or yep. completely off the mark. Yeah, as as you said, I have seen next to nothing of um, the RTD original run. Mm-hmm. Tenant in this, based on what I've seen uh, of the Tenth Doctor, mm-hmm. he seems a little bit more, dare I say, mature. Not mature, but like he feels a little bit more grounded, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure what I think of him in this. I honestly think that he felt almost more unhinged than the tenth Doctor. I thought. Um, I thought the tenth Doctor. The tenth Doctor is known, probably alongside the fifth Doctor, to be the most human Doctor. Mm, and okay. I felt like there was just moments. Well, I felt it when we were watching the Destination Scarrow. First of all, I thought that the fourteenth was a little bit more unhinged, and I thought that here. You could definitely see that he was carrying like the like he wasn't. I suppose when you say mature, maybe maybe he was a little bit more mature than the tenth Doctor because he's he an older, older Doctor in a way. You know, like even like he might be more mm. um, unhinged in a way, mm. but in a in a way that is like it feels like the result of just a longer life lived, yeah i think you know? i think i picked that up as well and that's probably also to do with just david tennant potentially just mm. he's an older actor now mm. he's 15 years older he's got new ideas and whatnot and he's he doesn't tackle it all in the same way he used to but he's still got a a, a lot of energy the way he moves mm. around and runs around and he's doing things like he's got a lot of energy i think well, what I'll do, I'll, I'll, I'm sure we all already know this if you've been following and waiting for these stories, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you the kind of things we've been doing already. So it's written by Russell T Davies, of course. So this is the first story back um, and the first story that he has written for Doctor Who since uh, the end of Time Part 2, which aired in, uh, would have been the 1st of January 2010. So the first Russell mm-hmm. T Davies story since then, it's directed by Rachel Talele, who directed the three Peter Capaldi finale stories. So she's got quite a history with Who lore. Um, her two stories being the top two stories of Doctor Who ranked in the Doctor Who magazine. So she's she's only had about three or four stories that she's done before this, but they're all rated quite highly. It's obviously got David Tennant, Catherine Tate. Um, the synopsis read... The Doctor is caught in a fight to the death as a spaceship crash lands uh, on in London, but as the battle wreaks havoc, destiny is converging on the Doctor's old friend, Donna. So that's the synopsis. We've done our high-level thoughts. Um, I say we jump in and we talk about the opening. Now, I didn't love the opening recap, personally. I, I didn't like it. I I thought it was an obvious I, green screen. It felt you know, almost... Jarring. On the nose. Sillier than it deserved to be. It mm. feels very, very, um, very strange. Like, mm. really, uh, especially even for someone like me who doesn't know anything, like, what the fuck is going on? Yep, yep. It, 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 it tried too hard to hold, hold my hand. I feel. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree with you. It, it really you to me, they're like floating, floating in space, like. Mm. Just it was just very bizarre, but it was I also didn't feel like well, Doctor Who to me. Yeah, so let's talk about firstly. So it's it's obviously to camera, okay. Mm-hmm. So 
It's to camera. Um, we've seen to camera done before in Doctor Who. There's been moments where the Doctor or a villain or something, even mm-hmm. villain in Caves of Androzani, clocks the camera. We've had Peter Capaldi deliver uh, an entire monologue as a as a pre-title sequence to camera in a story. Um, to be honest, weirdly enough, when Capaldi walks around the TARDIS delivering a monologue to camera in um, Before the Flood, it, it somehow never feels on the nose it's 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 bizarre to say that but it just it just it i don't know how they how they how they executed it but it was like the Mm. doctor was talking Mm. to you breaking the fourth wall and somehow it was seamlessly done Mm. um it could almost be the doctor talking to himself mm, yeah it was kind of bizarre right but here it's very clear that the doctor's talking to the audience the dialogue is extremely i suppose like it's very obvious if that makes sense let's, like it's, it's let, very let, let's get the audience up to date as yeah. quickly and as painlessly as possible but that's, it's doing things it like this is so this is my take on it right it felt to me it was jarring obviously to look at but apart from the fact that it was just jarring with the way it was done against a green screen essentially it felt like an afterthought it felt like the tenant looked a little bit different i thought and i don't think it was my guess is that this was not shot at the same time, the 60th anniversaries, this was almost done as a pickup later and they got him it back did. and probably stuck like, on fake sideburns or something. It, it felt, felt like, a bit slapped together. Yeah, it feels yeah. like it wasn't filmed around the rest of it. And I think that I, I know what the idea would have been. They're obviously going, look, Doctor Who's been away from the public consciousness. We're on Disney Plus. We're in 204 countries or something now. There's people that have never had access to Doctor Who and they're going to have access to it now. And they were trying to do like a, hey, if you've never watched Doctor Who, this this kind of story is going to have prerequisites of, of past stories. And so let's play catch up with you. To me, personally, a, a previously on Doctor Who or something tra- like trailer would have done the job where, it, where you just do some plot beats and you don't have them talking to camera and it just shows you some, some key clips in information. Because I think that most of the stuff that's important the characters address it 15 minutes or so later in the story anyway so you don't need to tell the audience or assume that you know Mm. they're not going to pick it up because you've got dialogue where the doctor's talking to shirley ann bingham the unit scientific advisor and he's essentially explaining Mm. everything he explains in this kind of pre-title sequence and but it's done it's done in a more smooth way that that matt that kind of feels natural to the flow of the story whereas what's happening in in this pre-title sequence feels like it's very stark to watch and it's Mm. like takes you by surprise and the thing is i knew it was coming that was in the first review that that we read earlier last well this this week just gone like that that there was a to camera piece and i knew that that was coming it still took me by surprise with how it looked so i was expecting something in the TARDIS, perhaps, or or like like reminiscent of Capaldi's monologue. Okay, but then just to see it, it opened like a felt like a Disney movie or something. It was very strange, very bizarre. Yeah, um, very bizarre. Didn't really. Um, and then okay, so what do you think about the new title sequence? I thought it was freaking awesome. I'm not going to lie. I I thought it was just. I thought the TARDIS going down the vortex, and it it does like a. Um, it, this is really hard to explain, like without being able to show you what I'm talking about. But the TARDIS does like a loop, the loop kind of thing, which is what it did in the Matt Smith 
title sequence. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a reference to the Matt Smith title sequence. It shows like the time vortex in a way we've never kind of seen it. And at one point it actually leaves the vortex go and like surfs into another vortex. And I thought it just looked freaking awesome. And it was, it wasn't too long either. I thought it kind of got straight into like the, the doctor who title. And then it got straight, like it didn't, it didn't overstay its welcome for me. It was a this feels like a title interim, sequence. This feels like an interim title sequence between b- before we it's, get Judy Capitalist. It's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely a 60th anniversary title sequence. Mm. I don't think there's any way. I mean, I'd be surprised punchy, if this title sequence stays. Mm. I, it feels to me like it's an exclusive three special That's title sequence. Like That's what it seems. I mean, to I me. was a bit, I was a little bit. Mm. I mean, unrealistic. You wanted you wanted the face was, down the time I, vortex. I wanted, I wanted. I've always wanted the the face down the time vortex brought back. Yep. And not in a half-hearted Peter Capaldi like eyes down the vortex sort of way. Yep. I, I I want I want Judy Gatwa's face at the end of of the time tunnel and and approaching me slowly. I'd love it as well. I, I don't think they'll do it. Like I, I, I mean, know. maybe maybe That's I maybe I just don't think they'll do it. Like if They're I was going running for the, the retro title, they're going for the retro title card. Yeah. So perhaps they might. If I was running you know, the show. I would have the doctor's face down the time tunnel. That's how I would do it personally. I would have the doctor down the time tunnel. I like, and also the TARDIS. You'd find a way to do them both and not and not do them in a way that looks, you know, kind of gimmicky, but you could really do it quite well um, these well, John days. Pertwee, John Pertwee mm. kind of has the, does he not have the TARDIS? Yeah, he does. And then it becomes the time tunnel and then you see his and face. So does, and so does Tom. Yeah, Tom has so it as Tom. well. Yeah. So, so you can You, you can, can have them both. It. And you could modernise it so that it's, you know, not just kind of a uh, 2D TARDIS that's going down. You could absolutely do it. And um, yeah, uh, that's... But yeah. anyway, I'm and I, and I think that. that. And, and the music yeah. as well, it's very clear to me. I mean, maybe they'll keep it, but I, I don't think they will because it's 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 essentially a, an amalgamation of kind of previous Murray Gold scores and very kind of around the motif of the, of the tenant score. So my feeling is that the theme is also just for the 60th and once we... Get the Gatwa one. Uh, well, we're going to find out, aren't we? Because we don't. If 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 truth be told, it is changing, right? I I I'll here's what won't change: the 60th anniversary kind of like that. The Doctor Who logo, with the with the, in the look of the updated kind of Tom Baker logo, that that will mm. stay with Shooty Gatwa. So it's more a question of the title sequence around it and the theme music around it. But the title, the actual font of Doctor Who we've been told is absolutely here to stay and it's not just here for the 60th anniversary and i, I think like it's the it. most i did like it yeah i think it was colorful it was punchy punchy it was, yeah, it was, it was visceral yeah and the tardis looked great like i think that we're going to get our biggest indication well we will and that's that's at christmas time because that's a brand new era of the show going into series 14 or series one as we know it is which oh, means that the new title the sequence face. will be just, in the christmas special right just give me the face um, at the end of the time tunnel for Christmas, please. For Christmas, please. Um, okay, so let's let's go past that. Now, it doesn't waste any time getting into the story, does it? Like as soon as as soon as the time tunnel finishes or the the the, the intro finishes, we're landing in London. The Doctor's walking around, and he he immediately bumps into Donna, and he goes over to help her, and he essentially kind of goes oh shit i didn't know who this was and he puts it all back and he kind of tries to get out of the scenario 
before hearing the name like Rose and he starts he kind of gets drawn back into it and then it really doesn't waste any time the ship's crashing um and from that point on that's where the story kind of just it just kicks in it's a, it's quite a fast paced story like it's an hour long it's longer than you know these Eccleston ones we're watching at the moment like they're about 45 this was an hour long but it it feels like it flies by at a, at a brisk pace um I thought I feel like it. I feel like mm. it suffers. It suffers from its. It. It's. It feels like they. They tried to get too much mm. done in mm-hmm. one in in the time available. It. It felt for me, especially when we get to the end, which we will get into. Yep. Feel felt a little bit rushed. Yep. Yep. Um. We'll get to that anyway. Yep. I think you. I think you spot on. I think. Um, what did I think? Uh, look, I'll say this. I, I, I liked Yasmin Finney as Rose, but there was just moments, a key moment that I'll, that I'll like single out here. Maybe it was also just all I the can, extras. I think I can, I know the moment you're talking about. And there's a, there was actually a few, a few similar ones. Just a couple of moments. The, the, the key one for me was like, She's looking up the spaceship and she turns around and goes, "Mom, look a spaceship." And I'm like, "There's yes. a spaceship. There's yes. a dead set yes. spaceship. Yes. Let's let's I, see I, that. Let's see that." I felt I I I actually quite like the concept mm. of the character. Yep. It's not beyond Russell T Davies to, you know, push push the boundaries and yep. introduce new types of characters, yep. you know, obviously. Absolutely. And yep. but I feel like and it's not even just a a Yasmin Yasmin Finney Yep, Yasmin Finney. Yep, it's yep. not even a Yasmin Finney issue. I, I I felt this with a lot of a lot of the um, uh, supporting actors in this episode felt almost like uninterested in mm. their perf- portrayals. Mm. And their performances felt very just casual. Mm. Uh, did you feel that? Um, I think I I thought David Tennant and Catherine Tate looked like they of were course, David having a ball. And, and Catherine. David and Catherine were great. Yeah, they thought they, that, they, 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 they to me awesome. looked like they were just having a ripping yarn being back. I thought like it was nice to see Sean Temple, I don't know the actor's name, like get some more to do because he'd only ever been in just for your own context, Josh. The guy who plays mm. Donna's husband had only ever been in Doctor Who and one other story before this. So mm. I felt like he got more to do in this. Um but again, not too much. Like he and there's moments where like he he comes home and he's like and I wasn't aware that he I, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong man that maybe Sylvia Donna's mum has had this conversation with Sean in universe like hey he travelled with the, mm. like she travelled with the doctor just so you know she can't ever remember him maybe she let him in on that but that was never something that we knew when we last saw him like it was like she met him after the doctor had left her. And as far as we knew, like he had no idea about any any of it. And so when he comes through the door later on and beep the meeps there, he he doesn't really even clock what's going on. Like he's like, oh, you know, oh, there's that guy that I I drove I drove home in the taxis. He's here at my house. Oh, and there's a very like it's just brushed over quite fast. And yeah. it, it 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 tried to as okay. I have not seen the David Tennant era. I don't know these characters. Yeah. It tried to do so much legwork mm. in really 10 minutes Heaps. to introduce this family. Mm. Yasmin, her, her, you know, 
her struggles, what she's going through. Yep. And, you know, like their financial difficulty. It's so, uh, it felt so, oh God, we have to um, get everyone on board with this because they're not returning for a special two and three or whatever, which probably would have been better if, if they had, anyway, you could probably cut this out because it's, you know, I'm probably rambling too no, much. No, about, no, you, about- you, what you're saying is it fine, but I'll I'll mention this. Um, they are back for special three. They are, and so that's that's oh, what's interesting about all of this. So, like oh, we know well, that well, Rose is back. I'm pretty sure Sylvie's back. I I know that Bernard Cribbins, who plays Wilf, and you you would have seen him as a younger man in the Dalek uh, invasion. That's 20 AD. Oh. Yeah. He he is back in Special Three. They filmed things with him, so he is back. Right, he's just not here. Um, I okay. I I put a dunce hat on me and send me to the corner because obviously I'm wrong. Okay. Well, well, but I don't know if you are though, because that's that's what's so interesting about it is that it spends it it tries to get it all done, but I mean they're coming back. So do you did you need to do it all in Special One? I, I'm not sure. Maybe 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 we'll look back on this by the end of Special Three and go, oh. Uh, yeah, they, they did everything they need to. But the way that it felt, look, I was all on board for, and maybe maybe there's also the thing of like that I have watched the David Tennant era and I've watched it profusely. So, so to me, it didn't feel like, it felt fast paced because it felt like Russell was trying to, to do that. It felt like he was trying to go, Hey, let's throw the Wraith warriors in beep in like that whole section felt like it was meant to feel manic where like the meep is found. Donna's starting to remember Sylvia slaps the doctor. Cause she's trying to I, keep I him like away from the doctor. Though. Like, yeah, but you, you do that when you have an established mm. family that you've already, you already are familiar with as an audience, that it's kind of a new family that we're getting introduced to, especially someone like me or someone Well, Well, seen, for yourself, yes, you but know. we we know Sylvia extremely well. We, we, Sylvia, we're, yes. we're learning about... We, now, we don't know Rose, okay? I'll give you that. We, Sean Temple, we know a little bit about, but we've, we're given a breather scene with him in the taxi just to learn a little bit more about what's going on. Like, for instance, the Doctor had given Donna, who couldn't remember the Doctor by the end of the story, like she'd hit the Doctor had given her a, a winning lottery ticket, right? And he, he asks her, which I didn't even really think about before the story, what, what happened to the, the lottery ticket? And so that we learn little bits slowly about what's going on. We get to meet Sean. We get the, they kind of try and give us a little bit with Rose by splitting her off with the with the kid who and just for context the kid if anyone's wondering who that who the kid was that 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 character is from the original star beast comic and they wanted to make sure they kept him in so he doesn't have a lot to do and i don't know if he'll come yeah. back but they wanted to include him to homage the character from the comic i suppose so mm. they try and split rose up a little bit where we're we're seeing like you know her shared or her her little, and then we're seeing like her the toys and all that, and we're kind of learning a little bit about her. I actually thought that towards the beginning of the story, I'd say the first thirty minutes or so, twenty minutes maybe. I actually thought they were handling the Rose character quite well, to be honest. Mm. I thought that it was when when the when the boys are riding home and Donna gives them a she's like I'm going to give them a mouthful or something like that I thought that was quite funny like the dudes that were kind of calling her Jason or something like that I thought 
there was a nice moment where Sylvia asked Donna as, you know, a parent may or something like that, is if they're rambling, said, you know, is it weird that I call her gorgeous? I've never done that before. I, I didn't actually mind any of this at this point. For me, the problems with that thread of the story were more towards the back end where it really feels like it's just a little bit over the hitting you over the head with its points where it just simply doesn't really need to, I don't think. Like, we'll get to that, but that's just my initial thinking of how that, that last maybe 15, everything wraps up extremely quickly. It really mm. does, which is, you know, it's not it's not unlike a Russell T Davies story to do. I guess if we're going to if we're going to um mm. dabble with, yep. with that at the moment. Yep. I don't even necessarily dislike mm. the resolution and how it relates to Rose and her yep. character. Yep. It's the fact that it was so rushed that it feels like it's beating you over the head because it's like in two lines this is the resolution and it has a direct, whatever you want to call it, a social <laughs> implication. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's what it feels like because it's so rushed, in mm. my opinion. Yep. Yep. Um, because it's not unlike it's not it's not um foreign in sci-fi to to write in socio-political. No, absolutely not commentary. Well, Doctor into, Who's done it. Your episode. Yeah. And have the forever. actual uh have have the. Mm. The resolution be related to that. It happens in Star Trek all the time. Oh, Doctor the Who resolution is did it all through the Pertwee era. So it's you know, it's not unlike exactly. like anything. But, but, yeah. mm-hmm. but because mm. it was so out of nowhere, mm-hmm. which we can maybe we might talk about now, or we can talk about after. Yep. Up up to we'll, we'll see how we go. It yep. feels like oh, it literally feels like you're getting beaten over the head because yep. it's so quick. Absolutely. You know? Yep. I agree. Now. Let's let's talk about. I, I want to bring up a couple of things. Just the, well, firstly, I loved. What did I really like at the start? Well, when the doctor gets in the taxi and he says something about the grand mister or something, and on the psychic paper, and Sean Temple yeah. goes mistress. I, I loved that little moment. Yeah. Um, that, was, that was good. I like that. I liked when the doctor arrives at the steelworks factory and like that. It cuts to like the BBC report of it, and I was wondering that the BBC reporter gets like taken away by like unit soldiers or something. Yeah. Or was that a conspiracy a- theorist? Abducted. Was it was weird? Abducted. I don't know. Was it meant to be um, like a, a conspiracy was, theorist that had like bro? You, mm. Unit was unit was like brutal. Yeah, they were. They, they were brutal in this. They were like. A shadow military organization. They they, they, they used it wasn't, a it rocket launcher. Of, it wasn't on a car, and it, like, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't the. It wasn't the unit of old Benton and the Brigadier, was it? Oh, it was, it was something uh, else. Yeah, they, they've it's almost a, like the Illuminati. It was crazy. Know, the way they fucking threw that reporter in the in the back of the. Was it a reporter van. that they threw, or was it like a con- it someone like who hijacked the report? It was weird. I couldn't tell what was going on there. But so then, so the reporter gets done right. I feel like you could very clearly see in the in the episode's camera work and the way they shot it that there was a budget increase. I thought that that was pretty pretty clear to me that oh for sure with the way Definitely. that it was shot, it was just shot on very good cameras. The way that the camera was moving and transitioning to different scenes, it was clear that there was money in it. I thought that Beep the Meep looked very good on screen. Beep the Meep was a great. Uh, great character, really, really. Actually, a really, really great camp Beep character. Yeah, I actually thought Beep was a was it was an inspired choice to well <laughs> like, the whole story you know to bring mm-hmm. the show back to a new era of the of Doctor Who. 
it was just an inspired choice of a story, really, I thought. Like I actually it. I actually loved I think I love the enforcers even more. I just love their they were so camp, mate. They like were great, the Wraith Warriors. Galactic yep. policemen, you know. Yep. Loved it. So I just cool. thought it was like classic Doctor Who. It felt to me just so I, now let's talk about this. Okay. We're at the house. Actually, well, let's talk about the steelwork factory because we meet Shirley Ann Bingham there, and she's an interesting mm. character. Like she, she's she's the latest of a long line of scientific advisors at Unit Fifty Six. I think she names herself, and the Doctor was the first, right? Mm. So she's the latest scientific advisor. Now she catches the Doctor, and, and what what was interesting here is, and and this is a tangent that I am going to go on, is that. <sighs> And I know why it's done, and I'm going to explain what I'm talking about in a second, but she catches, or the doctor for a moment, he's analysing like an almost diagram of the ship with the sonic screwdriver. He's like made a diagram. Now, we've never seen the sonic do anything like this, right? But he's kind of made like a some kind of like a diagram up of the ship's interior, and mm. now Shirley Ann Bingham's kind of mentioned at one point, and the doctor's overheard it, that the ship looks like it had crash landed, but actually it's landed fine. And that, that and we learned that later on that the pod was just a part that's come off it. So it's all the Meep ship. We thought a lot through the filming of this that the Wraith Warriors, that would be their ship, but it turns out that this is all Beep the Meep ship, right? And then the Doctor, when the, worry, like the Wraith Warriors turn up at the house, everything's kind of just shits hit the fan. You've got the, the Wraith Warriors there, unit comes through one way, the doctor uses the screwdriver to oh, make God. a bulletproof shield. God, what is he, a droidica from fucking The Phantom Menace, mate? Like, this really so what, this really boiled, boiled me, mate. I didn't love this, right? I did not like it. I just, anyway. to me, the sonic screwdriver, it's, it's a very fine line where you, we've seen it do things before, but... To me, it should never be used to to get out people of jail free like this. You know, people were complaining all the way back in 2013 that the screwdriver had become a magic wand. It has now officially become a magic wand. Mm. And let's think in about this: opinion. back in the 80s, John Nathan Turner thought the screwdriver did too much, so he destroyed it in the Fifth Doctor era and the Fifth, Sixth, and Seventh Doctors did not have a sonic screwdriver. God knows what John Nathan Turner would have done if he'd seen how it kind of gets used in New Who. Now, it's been used all through New Who for different things. It's been used to light candles. It's been used to fix barbed wire fences somehow. God knows how it does that. It's been it's it's done all types of things. But I feel like in this story, I'm just going to give you three examples. Firstly, the Doctor like draws up a with the sonic the diagram of the ship and then is able to look through the interior of the ship using the kind of thing that he's he's drawn up. It's like a that's 3D hologram. Okay. Right? Now, it's not, that's all right. I, I went, I okay, think. that's I've never mm. seen it do that. I'm going to mm. let that pass, right? He then makes two shields that can be used as bulletproof shields, right? He then is able to, like, later on, like, use it to, like check the soldier's eye by like levitating it up and down as if he's doing like Wingardium Leviosa on the glasses and he like lifts the glasses up to see that the guy's like possessed and then put the glasses back down before he shuts the door. 
I can mm. let that go. But it, again, it's like it's almost like it's a wand. And then later on, he is like in the parking lot and he somehow calls on the Sonic to like do a teleportation of two Wraith Warriors. And then he holds the, the court. Like, what, how that did he do that? It, bro. Like, like, so that was, I mean, that, that's now four examples <sighs> in the story where it's anyway. been used in a way we've never really seen it before. And I had said, because a, a few reviews had talked about the Sonic like being buffed up in this. And I said, when I read those reviews in my weekly wrap up, I can, I can, if, if, if we do it in isolation in this story, I can, I can accept it. But if this becomes through the shooty Gatwa, the new era of Doctor Who that's coming becomes a, a common thing and the Doctor uses it in all these ways to get out of things and whatnot, I just think that it's too much. And I and I think very clearly there's there's a few things here that I'm going like, that, especially this Sonic, I can see where they're going to want to commercialise the show and sell Sonic screwdrivers off the shelves for kids who are going to want to buy it and use it in the playground. But it's it's just it never needs to be used to this extent does do, what are your thoughts on that is this a bit of um uh upper management of disney kind of um influencing certain creative decisions i don't know is it I is don't that know. conspiracy thinking like, maybe i don't hey, know let's, i wouldn't let's be make surprised sonic uh, let's make the sonic uh, the new lightsaber well the toy the toy that doctor who was huge with toys back in the russell t davies era right so i don't know if it's if it's if it's the team that's on doctor who at the moment going let's bring back the kind of hype and whatnot for the merchandising i wouldn't be surprised if disney has had a say in that either just would not surprise me at all so i think i'm with you on that but what about like also i mean look he, Russell had said, you know, as soon as I like, I, I knew I needed to get the Doctor back to Earth. I need, need to be an alien story on Earth. The Star Beast I loved. Star Beast is what I made, right? And I absolutely buy that that's probably how it happened. I can't help, though, at just wondering if there was other conversations had because the beep, the beep, the meep is almost like a Doctor Who version of Baby Yoda. Can you see where I'm drawing mm. that parallel? Like it felt like very cute. Like you even, can sell it off the, the shelves, the like, toy. Like mm, oh, like you love me, I'm your friend. Like is e- <sighs> even the bro, even the um, mm. like when it's sitting amongst the plushies, exactly in, in the shed. It's almost like get ready, kitties. This is gonna be on. The, It'll be the on the shelves. shelves and I'm not. Know? I'm not saying I didn't like. Because I actually thought Beep the Meat was, no, was one of the highlights of the see, story. I can see the. I can see the. I can see the money men like maybe maybe turning the gears turning maybe and it's, yeah. so look it's all part it's all part of the creative process yep. like but you can't help but think oh is this is this the direction I don't know but I, all I know is that Russell has done cute kind of aliens before in his original era and that was before there was any Disney involvement like he's done the ones hologram. like the the adipose the, like mm-hmm. The hologram mm. he draws up felt very uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark. Yeah, that's what it felt like yep. to me. Yeah, so that's the Disney connection, I guess. And maybe, mm. m- maybe it's purely Russell's ideas, but I don't know. It's it was very. It's just very different to what we've seen before in Doctor Who. It, I, it, I think exactly. Like like put it this way: Are we are we speculating right now? Yes. 
Do we have any proof that any of this came from Disney? No. But what we can say is that there's things in this story, which is the first, you know, Disney original involved special of Doctor Who, and it does things that Doctor Who's never done before that feel somewhat aligned to what Disney has done with other franchises. That's what we can say. Whether or not it's a coincidence, well, you be the judge, I suppose. But, like, to me, there's just certain things, and I'm not even saying they're that bad, but, like, the sonic screwdriver is in particular one that I feel just it, – it's it, you, you have to walk a fine line if you can, you could run the risk very easily. I'm sure it would be extremely tempting to use it as a get-out-of-jail-free card, like, to progress it along. But there's just certain things where you go, it, we don't, we shouldn't rely on it all the time. We just shouldn't. Otherwise, we, we run the risk of maybe just, you know, getting ourselves out of things that simply could be done a different way. This this guy's a 2,000-something-year-old time lord. You know, he doesn't, he shouldn't just rely on the screwdriver to get him out of a problem. And that was what was so interesting about fifth, sixth, and seventh mm. Doctor eras. Mm. So let's talk about the next. So from there, right? Um, we go, we, the, they, they make their escape. The doctor's driving the taxi. I, I love all this kind of stuff, to be honest. It all, uh, there, there's a lot of stuff in here I love. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't want it to sound like, you know, I'm hating this story. I, I actually really enjoyed this this story oh, overall. Me neither. I, I just, no, me neither. Um, many things I loved about I it. I loved. Now, some people, I, I loved it. I'm sorry. Shamelessly, I loved it when the doctor pulled out the, the court wig and was in the thing holding yeah, like a hearing. Yeah. This was straight out of the Stones of Blood where Tom Baker does the same thing and holds the yes, court that, hearing. That, that was a very it, a classic who moment for me, I think. It was something that like oh. a, the doctor would, would fucking, would Tom Baker would, would, would pull out a gavel, yeah. he'd pull out a chair, he'd pull out a desk, he'd do it all, mate. And, and, that, and he has. That's He's, what it felt like, yeah. and he has. And so to me, I was like, that's a really niche reference to a to mm. a bizarrely random story to reference, but I just has thought it had was this, hilarious. Has he had this dust dusty barristers? What is it? A barristers wig? Yeah, has he had yeah. That in, his, in his coat all this time. Like, that's what, what I mean. Fuck, and, you know? and that's what I so love funny. about like like in Doctor Who when the Doctor just pulls out the and and there's been lines on the book before to say that the the Doctor's clothes are bigger on the inside. There's been little references to that like gimmick, and I just think it's funny when the Doctor does shit like that and it feels like a very doctor thing to do he calls in the wraith warriors he calls in the 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 b and he's kind of he at this point he's got an inclination based off what he's seen of how the wraith warriors stunned one of the unit officers he's now got an inclination to himself that maybe beep the meep is not you know as innocent as they see um mm. and he holds the kind of hearing and i we've seen nothing in the promotion of this right but I just thought it was hilarious how, how the Meep shifts persona and we mm. see a different side we've never seen in any of the promotional footage. And the Beep just can't be, essentially can't be asked keeping this charade up any longer and just goes, I'm killing he's these like, two. Fuck it. fuck it. Pulls out a gun Pulls out, out of his like, gun. pouch. All of a sudden he's like, like. Kangaroo pouch. Yeah, he's pouching <laughs> and all of a sudden he's like on top of like a chair and everyone's like, hey, oh, the high one or something. And he's like walking around this chair in the steel. It was just a, it was so random, so funny though. Like I thought the Meep was just a, a funny character. I thought that Miriam Ruggles was great. I, 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 yeah. I hope we see again, honestly. Yeah, I really, really good. I think it's a, yeah, like. I think the design work was really good. I was inspired, the, the, the voice acting, mate. 
Yeah, Miriam um, Margulies was great. That's Professor Sprout from Killed. Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, she, she, yeah. she, she killed it. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Now, speaking of, mm-hmm. go on. Well, no, you go, you go, please. I might be jumping the gun again. Look, we're all over the place with this one, but yep. <sighs> the new TARDIS interior. Shall we? Okay. Oh my god! Uh, let's. I. I <sighs> oh yes. Yes. I like it. Yes. Let's talk about. Let's. Let's quickly go to, and then we're going to jump back. Okay, we've got a few things to get through. Firstly, because oh boy, that TARDIS interior. Let's just hold that thought for a second. Let's hold off. Let's let let's pace ourselves. Oh, pace I've been waiting Josh. so long to talk. Pace about yourself, it. Josh. Be patient, Josh. Patient. Be patient. All right. Now, let's go back. What now, we so we let's talk about now. We're at a point where Donna, she started to remember and Sylvia notes she actually just called him doctor, right? So, something's coming up in the subconscious of Donna and she locks- It's to bubble up a bit. Yeah, it started to bubble up and she runs back in and the doctor's fixing things, but the, the kind of the ship gets separated and he can only work on half of the ship and he does his mm. best to kind of get things going. But the Meep's kind of activating their plan and the doctor goes, look, there's always been a way to to fix this, but like you're you're essentially you're gonna you're gonna die if I if I do it. And mm. Donna's gone, look, there's nine million people in London, like just do what you need to do. And he starts activating this thing. I, I couldn't figure out what he was doing at first. And then it, it's it's like a kind of like a, I don't know, like a code or something that mm, unlocks whatever he's, set, whatever he's set up in the um, mm. journey's end, right? When she gets it all back, she goes full Dr. Donna like mode that we'd seen in journey's end in the series four finale and and donna's back she's got her memory she's as smart as she was when she didn't like taken on the time lord metacrisis thing and now this is a very russell t davies thing where in his season finales he would he would often so it's it's funny these two stephen moffat and russell t davies because they're both wonderful writers right Stephen Moffat is all for like a complex plot and he'll throw things in and sometimes he'd lose casual audiences because his his cleverness of how he would resolve things would sometimes just be so intricate that a general audience, it would lose a general audience, right? Yeah. Russell T. Davies would always in his seasons and his season finales prioritise character and emotion over the kind of sci-fi stuff and therefore that would always get wrapped up faster sometimes and mm. like it had become it became like a bit of a meme by the end of it that like you, you you press a button and the day was saved and that's very much kind of what happens at the end like we okay yes the doctor is smart yes donna is the metacrisis now so that she's she was extremely clever as the metacrisis and they flick a few buttons that to me i i, can I know buy it. nothing yep. I, I i'm going in like a blind blind bat. that yep Com- i don't know anything yep. about metacrisis this metacrisis that yep i i'm assuming it's something where she takes a part of the the doctor into her and she or she gains the ability she the she doctor. essentially yeah. she essentially became a, a brand new like being in in 
the season four finale, she became a part human, part Time Lord. So she had all the best parts of the Time Lord, the mind, but she also had the humanity of a human. And she, 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 she it was essentially like in that story, because the Doctor, you already know that the Doctor splits off and becomes like a different tenant Doctor yeah. in that story. Mm-hmm. By the end of it, it was like there was three Doctors and one of them was Donna. She had like a Time Lord mind in her brain, but it was just too much to hold and by the end of it like it was going to burn her brain out and, and kill her and the doctor wiped her memory from from ever knowing him and that's where he left her and so she could she, she almost mm. had the jamie thing happen where she was a, she, she had all these adventures and then she couldn't remember any of okay. them and so that's how so it wrapped up the, with her mm-hmm. and so the, mm. the doctor donna is brought back yep she flips a few switches yep wraps it up nicely the the beep the meep the the can we talk about this? Yep, okay. Yep. So we see we see almost like rivers of lava or the, the This like is the stuff I want to talk about. Yeah. Like the streets just break apart. It looks like London is essentially burning down. Yeah. You know? Yep. Like the old the old nursery rhyme. Yeah. You know, yep. it's, it's essentially yep. it's as fucked up as, as, as we ever see it. I think in yep. in Doctor Who. Like yep. and then by the resolution it's like the the streets it's like they weren't actually broken. They they kind of just reformed. But how? This is it was this very strange. Exactly. So this is the part that I want to talk about, right? So you you're on the same wavelength as me. So for me, I can accept. I can I can go look. There's a lot that Russell's had to do here in this first story to to get us back to where the Doctor is here. He's the fourteenth Doctor. He looks like David Tennant. Catherine Tate's back. She's now got her memory back, right? I can buy all this up to this point. I can accept the Time Lord Metacrisis and flicking a few switches and solving the day because you've spent so much time just doing everything else. I just find it difficult when... Because I, I was going... By the end of it, I'm going, oh, the interesting, like, maybe through Special 3, like, London will be, re, like, having rebuilding itself. Like, you'll see, like, the streets broken from Special 1 and... And the and the kind of fallout and they'll have everyone will be fixing shit up and whatnot, but everything just reseals. It's like it. It's like time unwinds somehow, but it never does. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 very yeah, bizarre. I didn't like that. I didn't it was love a very that. quick and quick and easy way to show that. Look, um, it's all fixed at the it's at the end. The resolution simply simply you could have had your your cake and eat it too. I feel if if you know, the cracks hadn't formed so far over the whole city and there was just a couple yeah. in that general proximity and then by the end of it, it they, ne- they never, yeah. like, they never, like, reform. There's just parts that are, you know, broken. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Wasn't, that wasn't the issue. It was that it cuts to a wide shot. And then London you see the whole city. Like, like It looks like the end of the world. Yeah, much, and, like, and then all of a sudden it all... Like re like undoes itself. It's like they're re- resealing. And then there's this there's this stuff, right? Now remember, we we're at a point where Donna couldn't. If she remembered the Doctor and her adventures, she would die. Okay. Mm. She she remembers, and then he thinks she's dead for a moment. He goes, "You were defeated by the Doctor, Donna." Like, and and then Donna's back alive and you're okay and then rose is doing all the kind of stuff she's inherited the meta crisis and then there's this kind of exposition to go oh um um it had passed down and that's why she didn't die because like it's gone to half to her and now it's like not enough to kill you donna and it's like it that part for me was a little bit like okay 
we're really um okay where where it's a lit I'm I'm having to essentially do what you know we would do sometimes during that initial RTD era where don't think too hard about the plot just enjoy it for what it is that's kind of what I was feeling it was a very like okay I see but I also think that we've just done something so that we can bring Donna back have her memory and not and I and I almost think you know if it's not handled well by the end of special three you you're running the risk of undoing one of the best companion exits in Doctor Who I feel so I really yeah. think that's got to be handled well by the end of it or otherwise it's like mm. the consequences and the stakes are just not there and we've had our cake and, and ate mm. it as well. So I suppose let's loop back when these specials are done to see how that all mm. sits with us and, and it'll be interesting because as we go through the retrospective and you see it, you can make your own mind up what you think about you know this this mm. extra little chapter in the Donna Noble story, or compared to like the uh, initial ending, uh-huh. right? I'll tell you what I, I I've done a little bit of sleuthing online, okay, okay, to see what the general consensus is, and I've seen people complain about the you know the non-binary line at the end. Yep. All right. For me, I didn't didn't bother me. What what bothered me was like you said, how it was the dictionary definition of a hand wave moment from the writer. And I get it. You have an hour to tell the story. It's not a two-parter. How the fuck do I resolve this right now? Because guess what? Oh, fuck, we're running out of running out of time. We're going to shoot this. We're gonna, we have to shoot this by the end of the week or whatever, you know. How do you resolve that? Maybe there was no other way. Yep. I don't know. And and like, look, it, it, it felt he does have a lot to do. Like it, like that was the thing I was thinking about while I was watching and I was almost kind of marveling at how he was even somehow juggling it all. Like for instance, the doctor for most of the story has Donna, Sylvia, Rose, Sean Temple and the Meep all with him through the story. From set piece to set piece, there's so many characters that have lines and dialogue and he somehow finds a way for them all to have their lines in it, whether or not you think that, you know, it's all kind of fits. Sylvia, to me, was exactly as Sylvia was and she she played it to a T. I thought the Sean character, for the little that he knew about, from, from what I can remember, what he knew about, like, the Doctor and all that. I'm pretty sure he didn't even know about the Doctor's existence. He just seemed to take it in his stride to a point where I went, is this entirely... Are we just... Are we bringing the character in, but there's not a lot of time, and so we, he's just having to accept things that you would not accept that fast? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same thing with Rose, I feel, when when she sees the alien. Yep. Oh, wow, you're an alien. Absolutely. Or when, when you see the spaceship crashing, look, mum, it's a spaceship. Exactly. I feel like yep. maybe they they just didn't have the time to flesh out their, their reality. Is it a, is a, it a case where we've got a story where... They've gone, hey, it's we've because what let's talk about what's different between this and and Rose, the the revival in 2005, right? Let's talk about that for a second. So, in 2005, Russell was in a scenario where Doctor Who was a little bit of a joke in the public consciousness, okay? 
like look at look at the curse of the fatal death kind of thing, like just taking the Mickey out of Doctor Who, written by Stephen Moffat, but lovingly taking the Mickey out of it a little bit. Okay, we had Sylvester's Doctor and Colin's Doctor Who in the general public's eye, just wouldn't would, those runs weren't that great, and Doctor Who was a far cry from say what it was in the Baker era, or the John Pertwee era at that point, right? He decide he's going to bring Doctor Who back. He he says in the Bible it's going to be no frills. Doctor's gone gone to the Doctor wearing you know scarves and these mm. clothes. Like I'm going to strip him back to a leather jacket, right? Um, we're not doing you know Alien A versus Alien B on Colony Outpost. This and we're going to go to the, the human emotion. You know now we're going to do our review of Dalek soon, very soon. But I just watched it yesterday for in preparation to talk about it and you know without going into it one thing i'll say is it's gripping storytelling and it's stark and bold and different for doctor who it's dealing with things doctor who doesn't deal with and i feel i will mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'll tell you what yep i'll tell you what i think yep where rose succeeds where this one maybe falls short a little bit of the mark yep Rose to me felt like Rose um, season one, episode one. Yep. Felt to me like it stripped back everything you thought you knew about Doctor Who to its bare basic essentials. And the Doctor actually doesn't get introduced for quite a bit. Mm. Right? It's We, we actually see Rose's life. Mm. We actually see, you know, her just day-to-day, you know, situation mm. we we get introduced to her mother in a in a in a a um you know just a what'd you say just a, a normal everyday situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and then the doctor's introduced as an alien from the perspective of rose mm-hmm. and the perspective of the audience we don't know much about him where this is getting david Tennant back front end front front loading it with the doctor you know and then and then he you know gets involved with Donna's family mm. and we have literally minutes to establish their daily life very very little time at all and then it feels like it falls short mm. of 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 that and what, you know what yeah I absolutely know and and what Rose had done is it 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 had played to that thing where they they re-edited a new hope where before in a new hope there was scenes where Luke Skywalker came in the original edits into the story with his oh, farm friends bumming around, bumming around yeah, on bumming Tatooine. Around, kicking dust. And, and from narratively, we're thinking, hey, can we go back to, you know, where the cool guy in the black cape mm. is who's throwing storm, like who's throwing like these rebels around? Can we go back there? And as soon as you change that cut and you follow, the, you know, Vader and Leia and the droids, and Luke Skywalker only comes into the story when Luke Skywalker has to come into the story, all of a sudden, it's a lot more interesting. And this, that's what Rose had done so well. The Doctor became a part of the story when it needed to happen. But until then, Mm. Rose is the center point. Mickey's there, Jackie's there, that's all. Two other supporting characters for Rose. That's who we get to meet first. We get to establish her day-to-day life. Here we've got so many characters to deal with. I, I, on reflection, do wonder if it's an example of, look, Russell's not doing what he did before, right? He's not. But before he went, we're not going to bring Time Lords back in the funny hats. He he did things to get the show 
green lit with the BBC to go, we're going to get rid of all the fan service stuff. Now, Doctor Who is in a different position now. It's been on air for 20-something years, right? And we've had all types of things happen, all types of characters return. And I feel like Russell always knew where he wanted Doctor Who to go when he bought it back before. But he knew how to do it in a way that it would slowly ease the audience into bringing back the Daleks, bringing back the Cybermen, bringing back okay. fan classics. Whereas this feels like it's got 20 <sighs> years of on? New Who mm. behind it and it's coming in mm. and going, hey, we're going we're gonna to just do fan service stuff. We're going to do like, we're going to bring Here's back monsters. We're going to do this yeah. and we're going to do it on a budget you've never seen mm. before. So it tries mm. to take you by the spectacle and in doing mm. so loses a little bit of the character, you see. Here's an analogy, Indy. Mm. Is Russell T. Davies in the same position mm. George Lucas was with the prequels right now, mm. where Russell T. Davies is coming back. He's the god of, of Doctor Who. He, he brought back Doctor Who and made it the phenomenon it was in 2005. Did Disney do this deal with the BBC and, and the BBC bought Doctor Who back, okay? Mm. And did they say, Russell... Do whatever you want. Mm. And is it a situation where in the pilot, Rose, he had to do the the very, like we talked about, the safe stuff, not not, not the fan service stuff. He had to really strip it back to, to something that a general audience could get on board with. Where in this, it's almost like a kid... In the candy store mm. who just wants to ha- have it all is this what we is this what we're looking at not in a bad way but it feels like mm. would this not have been a more impactful story especially in terms of introducing this family mm. this family unit show us rose for the first 10 minutes yep. alone show like her relationship with her, her family get us invested a little bit in that before you even throw the then have the doctor crash land absolutely or have the doctor arrive mm. We know David Tennant. We don't have to be sold yep. on David Tennant. We know he's in it. And we know he's going to work it, as the doctor because he, we, you know, he's hold in, it off yeah. for hold off for fifteen minutes. Yep. Hold it off. Let's let's get invested in these people. Yep, yep. I think you're spot on, and I think that that's exactly what this needed, just so that it didn't have to be so. And look, it's not that the back end. Look, it is rushed. It feels a little bit over the top to me. I'll tell you what feels over the top to me at the end there. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you what I think. I can I can buy the toys because it's actually right in front of your face if you are looking at it. The 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 Jadoon are there, the Ood are there, the Adipose are there, the Cybermen are there. They're all there as as Rose's toys in the shed. For me, I just I I can buy that as a little oh, that's clever. I thought the whole like, oh, the shed is the TARDIS was a bit, bit a was a bit of a stretch, right? I thought it just, it, it didn't quite make that leap in my head to go, oh, they would come to that. And then to go, oh, she's non-binary because the doctor and the doctor is, is a man and a woman. It just seemed a bit of a stretch to me. Does that make sense? I just think... That 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 kind of sub. I don't know if that's the. It mm. sounded like the intention was like she become yeah. she become like transgender. Yeah, was that was strange was because like, like of because she was like subconsciously that the Doctor Donna yeah, kind of thing that, in her had like decided yeah. 
for that, her that, mm. that, that, you know, oh, I'm reminding you that the doctor is a man and a woman. And, and at this point, I've got to say this, it seemed a stretch to me because Donna, the doctor had never changed into a woman or inferred to Donna on screen ever that he could change into a woman in that era. And so I started to go, how does Donna even know the doctor's been a woman? I mean, there's some fans out there now, Thunder Nerds, that are speculating that Donna is not all she seems because she knows certain bits of information about the Doctor since he left her in this story about, you know, mm. what, that, that, that the Doctor had regenerated. How did Donna know that the 10th Doctor had regenerated? Because she it, 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 it I, put I, the pieces I, of the mm. scenes together and how it plays out. When the, the Doctor mentions to Shirley Ann Bingham he had changed, he never tells Donna he had changed. And yet Donna knows that the Doctor is... She says, why, does, why did this face come back? Interesting. I've got a sickening... I've got a sickening Is the toy maker theory. behind all of this? I've got a sickening theory, Indigo. Mm. Is Donna not Donna? Yes. Is it, the toy, is it the toy maker in disguise? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I would say no. I would say no. And I would say no because there's been shots where... Eye line wise in the trailer, Donna's behind the doctor and says, Who is he? And it and it and it matches the scene where the doctor is looking at Neil Patrick Harris's toy maker. But mm. is it possible? Shift. Now I'm gonna I'll, I'll throw I'll, it's either this. Is it is it a writing continuity? Well, here's another here's another thing. We see the doctor screaming in the trailer in a shot that's not in this episode. We do see a shot of him in a ship where he screams, in another one he screams, we think that's Wild Blue Yonder. We're pretty much certain that other scene that we haven't seen of him screaming is Wild Blue Yonder. At one point, the toy maker in the trailer is puppeteering someone from the skies. Is he puppeteering Donna? Is it is a, is a mm. revelation of Special 3 that the Donna we've been with is not Donna? I'm not sure. There's just bits of information that people have been smart enough to work out. Donna doesn't quite know, and if they if they are writing, you know, continuity problems, then they're they're a little bit uh, just thunder nerds. Mm. I want us to get into. I want us to establish that from now on to the end of this episode, we're going to be talking spoilers. Yeah, I feel yeah, for yeah, because I have some. I want to bring something up which I feel like is a could be a major spoiler. Okay. And let's so, let's, so let's 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 heavily... end end it now. If you are if you want to if you well, have let's a let's talk about the TARDIS quickly. Let's talk about the TARDIS quickly. Okay, TARDIS first. TARDIS first, and then we spoil, and then we'll spoil. Uh, TARDIS is freaking phenomenal. I'm sorry, but Fantastic. it is fantastic. It is the TARDIS I wanted. I've always wanted. It is so big. I love the 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 brightness. It feels very. Oh, the way tenants, space the, the way tenants oh, running down and then he runs up. It's got levels. The classic the doors, console. The console. Classic. The 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 hexagonal console. It's got the best part of I the love. tenant TARDIS, where like the door is the right size as it as the box should be. Mm. It's got. You can uh, see like another door down the bottom. You can see doors like, everywhere, the, leading oh, places. Show us more rooms in this and new the, era. You have the you have the ra- the roundels, but the roundels now light. They up. They light up in different colors. Think, different oh, colors. Cool. It is I, so I cool. Almost I hope I, I I pray to Russell. I pray. I'm going to pray to him tonight, and we can all join. <laughs> we can we can all join hands, thunder nerds, and pray together. I feel. Oh. Let's 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 do a little prayer. A little prayer. Russell, together. Russell T. Get Russell T. Davies, please, please, just 
keep this interior for Tudy Catwell. Oh, he will. He Please, will. Russell. This is staying. This is staying. This is okay. absolutely staying. Okay. All right. Yep. <sighs> Please, it's Russell. such a good interior. No, this one is staying. I'm, I'm, I can actually confirm that here on the podcast, people. This interior will be in the Shooty Gallery. Okay. It'll, it'll just go through lighting themes, right? Oh, thank God. So, so now, love the TARDIS. Guys, we have to get into spoilers. Now, I, I, Josh, I think you're probably going to go to where I think oh, you're going to go. I know what you're talking about. So, and, um, let's, let's I, say, guys, pretty much this is, this is absolutely almost going to happen now. So, so turn this <laughs> off if you do not want to know what is going to happen because... There was a few key moments in this story where I went, "Oh We've my goodness!" We've talked about it before. They're real. We've talked about it before. They were real. The leaks. Were something. Real. Something happened where we were almost certain it wasn't going to happen, and it happened. Two things, and it happened. Yeah. So, turn it off right now. Forget you. You heard anything? All right. And um, you're as you're as clueless as Donna, Doctor Donna was when when the when the when she had her wine wiped back in two. Enjoy your life. Go for a walk. You and know. Enjoy the sunshine. Do it because we're gonna get into some deep spoilers right now. So three. Two, Three, two, one, one, go. Spoilers, spoilers ago. <sighs> the coffee. Yep. When I saw that, I'm like, oh my god, it's real. We're not, we're not, we're not getting multi doctor. Mm. We're not getting multi doctor in 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 this anniversary year. Interesting. Because the spoilers we read said she spills coffee on the console. That is so specific, and it happened exactly as the spoilers said it would happen. The rest of the spoilers don't mention anything. No returning doctors. I feel like I've already mentally prepared that we're not getting any returning doctors. I think I think I think we're not addressing the, the biggest elephant in the room. All right. What is the biggest elephant? All right. I'm gonna break this down, people. Now if you're still here, you're here for a reason. So we're gonna talk about this right now. Firstly club. firstly the church on Ruby Road is the title these people had said. They were correct. That is the Christmas specials title. Disney Plus gave that away. Doctor Who still hasn't released that, but Disney Plus has named that as the holiday special for Doctor Who. Okay. Murray Gold, the composer, told us that Millie Gibson's Ruby Sunday, the new companion for Shooty Gatwa, is adopted. The spoiler had said that she's adopted. Well, we talked about all the goblins in that Christmas special. Or everything looks like that is absolutely and fundamentally true, right? Now, they had said about the 60th anniversary that in special one, Rose would make kind of a comment about the Doctor assuming Beep the Meep's gender. It happened. It happened. Exactly as it said it would. I thought that was a wind-up, a G-up. To annoy fans, it happened exactly as was told, right? Then, later on in the story, the Doctor does have to uh, bring Donna's memory back, but it's going to kill her. But it, but the spoiler said it won't kill her because that Rose inherits half of the Metacrisis and Donna survives. Exactly that happened. It then said that while Blue Yonder will be triggered because Donna will spill coffee on the TARDIS, it happened, people. It's here. It said in special three that there will be two doctors by the end of the giggle. Two concurrent doctors. We and speculated that this would not happen. A, mm, and it's going it to happen. In this, it's set up. It's set up in this. It's going to she happen. She says, Doctor, why don't you come over for tea Exactly. One day? Why don't you come over? It's setting up that this doctor is going to settle down. He's going to maybe... And then that Shudi Gatwa, by the end of it, his prize... 
will be a second TARDIS. There are going to be two concurrent Doctors. Now, Josh and I speculated that this would be a very dangerous move to make, right? You're, you're, you're essentially saying that David Tennant's Doctor lives. Two Doctors, two TARDISes. Now, there's potential for spin-offs, but David Tennant spin-offs? I, I think we need Paul McGann. I think that we've got to move away from oh, this no. David Tennant universe. Oh, we're not getting a Paul McGann spin-off. We're getting a David Tennant spin-off. I, the oh, I don't know. I, I think That's I, what we're getting. I think Paul McGann is going to be back. That's my personal thing. But I'm just... Look, put it this way. You don't need... To, to have David Tennant's Doctor survive the encounter at the end of the giggle, to, to come up with an excuse for the Doctor to come back. We've had multi-Doctor stories before. You do not need the Doctor living. Look, put it this way. I really don't want I this, told, but I'm I told you, it. I told you the other week that that in, in Journey's End, the Doctor goes off and lives with Rose in a parallel Earth. It's a human version of the Doctor that looks like Tennant. Gosh. Right? I like David Tennant. How many how many David Tennants do we need? That's what in I'm this saying. And 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 uh, I like I yeah. like him uh, as the yeah, doctor. Yeah, so do I. But please, but, but we don't need it to oh. be. It's Doctor Who, not Tennant Who or David Who. We need to just we look, put it this way. There's a deleted scene in Journey's End where the tenth Doctor gives the Metacrisis Doctor that's with Rose a piece of the TARDIS and says you can grow your own TARDIS. They cut the scene out. We're essentially going to get, in a different type of way, exactly what he'd done in Journey's End, but this time they're going to add the TARDIS part back in. And 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 the, and this is all from the same leaker. So we, we have to assume at this point that it's true. Now, I just want to say something else about what you mentioned just back there, okay? Because I don't want you to – don't – but let's all not now look let's hamper expectations but no special rumor that was released by this person was for wild blue yonder save the end of special one which was the coffee which means that whatever is in special two this person may not have had access to reveal they may not have seen it this is being hidden proper we know that we've seen the trailer now okay all We've right. seen the trailer now at the, at that came right, out. Right. It's only got two extra scenes we've never seen in it before. The other scene that we've seen already is where in the main trailer for the 60th, the Doctor says, you know, or, or Donna says something so bad, the TARDIS ran away, okay? Um, I've got some – I want to go through some stuff for Wild Blue Yonder. I, I, I want to re-explore Wild Blue Yonder and just throw some things out there. I've done a lot of research today. I don't know if you've got the time to do this, Josh. I'll just throw some things out there. You tell me when you need to go. We'll wrap this up. I'm just going to throw some things. I have have time. Firstly, there's rumors that we are... Okay, what do we... I'm going to talk about what we know about this story first. We know... They land in what seems to be a space station or something. Looks like a space station. Looks like a facility. Looks like it could be a ship. I think it looks more like a station. Okay? Looks a bit... Look, it looks a bit boring to me. Interesting. Personally. Okay. A little bit boring. Okay. But okay. go on. Okay. Let's let's yeah. let's explore okay. it further. I'm an, I'm emotional right now. He's emotional. Josh is That's emotional. Okay. He knows yeah. he's he's now realizing where special three might go and it's it's upset him. So I'm gonna keep going. <sighs> All right. Uh we're on a space station or some sort. We're in some kind of facility. 
we know that the first scene of Wild Blue Yonder was shot in the wide open air somewhere. So not on a set. Most of this story was shot on a set. The opening, not shot on a set. It was shot in the open air. What does that mean? I don't know. Where is it? I don't know. Okay. The Doctor says in, I'm just going to throw everything we know out that's coming. The Doctor says in one of the redacted BBC trailers, he says she mentioned Gallifrey. Okay. So I'm just going to throw that out there. So now, and, and I don't think that's coming in special three with the toy maker. Okay. So she mentioned Gallifrey is a line that the 14th Doctor says in one of the BBC trailers. What looks to be Gallifrey in writing was on a, was on a script propped for one of the specials. Right. I'm throwing things out there that we, we might not all know, but just to catch us up on wh- where we might be headed for this story. Um, Wild Blue Yonder it translates in French to the edge of the universe. The Doctor mentions at the end of this story, Star Beast, the coffee goes over the TARDIS. We could end up anywhere in time and space, right? There's rumours abound a few months ago that the villain of the story would be shape-shifting creatures that take the form of the Doctor and Donna. Well, that could probably line up with, say, what we heard about Russell talking about how he's going to push David Tennant and Catherine to places we've never seen. Now, interestingly enough, it's not sounding... A lot of people are calling this a bottle episode. And a bottle episode was something that Russell T. Davies would do in his era. He would do ones where he'd save on money for other stories by maybe doing something where it was set in one room or something, okay? People are thinking that this will be a bottle episode. I don't think we can rule out yet that this doesn't have reason to... He said that he was pushing the budget further than he possibly could with this story to try and make the production team think outside the box so they couldn't get stuck in a thing of having money and just doing things easily. He said that they were pushing the budget in this story to try and push the... And and he said that this story is the story, the type of story that he, he, he came back to Doctor Who to make. So what does that mean? Well, it means that it's not going to be the Star Beast. It already looks more like it's got a horror feel to it, right? Um, the producers said that it does things Doctor Who's never done in its 60 years of, of storytelling. What does that mean? Technically, people have said it was difficult to make. What does that mean? Someone noted something very interesting that I hadn't thought of. Someone mentioned that they'd seen the promotion. They, they put this up, actually. They put up a promotional photo of Wild Blue Yonder, of Donna in a corridor. They then threw up another photo of Donna in the same corridor or one of them. I don't know if it was Donna or the Doctor in the same corridor, but it was shot at a different promotional shoot. And oddly enough, the background of the corridor's ceiling was now the floor in the other photo potentially indicating some kind of a rotating set. Isn't that interesting? So maybe the technical feat of the story is not what we initially thought it to be, but maybe some kind of technical piece of how they were physically going to shoot this rotating set. Now, what does that mean? I'm not sure. The poster for Wild Blue Yonder has an extremely uh, interesting background that looks never-ending with some kind of a robot in it. Now, I've theorised, and I don't know if I've done it off or on mic before, but I'll say it here, 
that this story could be a live adaption of an Eighth Doctor audio called Shernzo. Now, those of you who have heard that will know why I am indicating that that could be something that this will go for. I want to preface something else. I'm not ruling out the fact, and I will stand by this, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Tom Baker is the most iconic Doctor. Tennant is now up there alongside him, I would say. But Tom Baker is the Doctor that, you're, like Josh said a couple of weeks ago, your grandma would know, this, that, and the other. Tom Baker was not in Tales of the TARDIS. Paul McGann was not in Tales of the TARDIS. Carol Ann Ford has been at all the press releases for the Starbeast. She was at the premiere. She played Susan. Now, the only other people that were there at the Starbeast were all the other companions that were all part of Tales of the TARDIS. It's just a very bizarre decision to have Carol Ann Ford be part of this new Who family and go to the premieres and hanging out and getting photos with Russell T Davies, and yet she's she's the first companion of Doctor Who. She's the Doctor's granddaughter, and yet she's not in Tales of the Tardis. And David Bradley's not there playing the first Doctor meeting her, which we know he's done now multiple times, where you could have the first reunite with his granddaughter in Tales of the Tardis. I genuinely believe that there is something being hidden here, that the fact that three cast members have redacted We still don't know who they are in the Doctor Who magazine. Now, some other people have theorized that previous actors playing the Doctor will be back, but they will not be the Doctor. Potentially, the shape-shifting creatures will take the form of previous actors, and the Doctor, Tennant, will be faced with Capaldi and Smith, potentially McGann, as villains in the story that are not playing the Doctor, but are actually fucking with the Mm. Doctor. There's all types of rumors going around. Don't love that. Don't love that. Well, what's going on? I don't know. I'm just throwing it. Now, again, here's another thing. John Sims Master. We thought we all heard him in the Disney Plus trailer. I went and listened to it myself. People said, oh, there's a line from the original trailer. The Disney Plus version seems to have it where it sounds like John Sim. I went and listened to it. It sounds like the Tenant Master. There's no getting around it. It's not Neil Patrick Harris. I know that. So why does it sound like John Smith's there? Now, Beep the Meep mentions at the end of the story, two hearts is hard to come by. And and I wait till I tell my boss or something, I wait till the boss hears about this. Is the boss the John Sim master? I mean, an obvious infer uh, 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 would be that to think that it's the toy maker, but the, the Beep the Meep says it's hard to come by two hearts. This indicates a Time Lord to me, not the Celestial Toy Maker. So where is the Doctor in Wild Blue Yonder? Is there more to this story than just being on the space station? Remember, all we've seen, this is a 60-minute something special. I don't know if they've given the full runtime. We know that every special is about 60 minutes, but Special 3 is about 65. It's the longest. Are we getting a scenario in, in, in Special 2 where all we've seen is quite literally the first 30 seconds where the Doctor gets out, he might analyse the TARDIS, we know he puts something into the door of the TARDIS and mentions about the fact that it's landed within hostile action and the TARDIS has taken off. Some people are theorising that this takes place right back at the beginning of Time Lord Civilization when they were first experimenting with, with time travel and whatnot. There's all types of theories about why Gallifrey's coming up, the John Sim Master's been mentioned. 
Do we think that the other doctors are, are in this story? I wouldn't get your hopes up, but I also think that the omissions of these these cert- particular actors from certain things is is if it turns out to be completely nothing, will be a very bizarre choice. And the spoilers for Special Three do not indicate in the slightest that you'll be getting a Susan, a McGann, anything like that we feel would come up in those spoilers for Special Three, which means that something (sighs) is hidden next week. What is it? Why is this one? Why did Russell take this story off the shelf? He's bringing the Celestial Toymaker back. It's not a story that's renowned in Doctor Who as being a great story, but the villain, the Toymaker, has always been a fan favourite and people have always wanted to see him. And to then say, well, let's hide one special in particular, but it's not the one with the Toymaker... What does that mean for Special 2? There's just something not adding up. Can you see where I'm going with this line of thinking? Of I, why see, I'm... I see where you're going. Mm-hmm. I see, and I I, mm-hmm. I emotionally yep. feel it. Yep. Um, I just, at this point, I don't know. Don't know. Let's reassess then. Why? Unless they were so... Unless, they, unless the BBC implemented some serious fucking... Area 51 level security around this second episode and there's literally no information coming out. Mm. I don't know. So, Is that even possible in this day and age? I don't know. Where it's something like Tom Baker, fucking Paul McGann, Matt Smith all being on set. No one no one has, has uh, let their lip unzip who, and, and spill who, that information who, onto, onto the dirty, dark recesses of Reddit. Who no? leaked this information for Special 1 and 3? What access did they have? Why did they, they say nothing about Special Two? Is it as simple a as Disney this? Plus, someone from Disney. Did someone somebody? From Disney, maybe they had. Did Go did on. somebody leak information for Special One? Did they leak information for Special Three? Is there a possibility they skipped Special Two because it is genuinely a standard run-of-the-mill Doctor Who story? Is there a possibility? There was nothing to spoil, and so nothing came out. Well, I don't think so. To me, look, put it this way. If it's a character-driven piece, and it's a well-crafted story of Doctor Who, and nothing happens in the story, nothing anniversary-related, I wouldn't even mind, right? But the fact that this has been so... It's it's so... Um, it, it's it's been so teased. It's this. been teased so much. It's been made. It's not like they've gone. Oh, let's not tell people. Or we'll just skip it. They've made a point of saying we're trying to show nothing from special two, and my dream as a showrunner is to show this story and and in an ideal world show not even one clip from it. Does it not just bode and build and then people they didn't then hamper expectation. They then went hey. They doubled down on all of this stuff and have said we, that it changes the way stories can be told. Technically, it's a marvel in how you can make stuff. Like, what does it mean, people? We have been seriously, especially over the last couple of weeks with the sort of posts mm, we're getting, mm. all right? We've been seriously doc-teased yep. in Thunder Nerds, and you can cut that if you want. No, I won't. We've been doc-teased. Yep, yep, we have. Okay. We have. So, it we have been, though. We've been... We've, it's, it's, it's kind of getting to the point where... I saw someone on Reddit say this and they and they made a great they made a really good point. They were like they really don't want to show us anything about Wild Blue Yonder, which is going to be all the more strange of a decision if we get to this episode and it's genuinely a standard, you know, 
bog Doctor Who story like where it's like kind of like story. just you yeah. know doing the the very bare and and so that would be bizarre. It would it would be bizarre. I almost think that there has to be something crazy that's being hidden here to justify what it is. My only reservation is that it's not Day of the Doctor length. It's a standard sixty minute story. So if it is multi doctors, like how does it wrap up? What are the villains? Now, there's a moment in the trailer, the very last part, where Doctor and Donna are looking at something and Donna says, What are they? And then it cuts. And we know that the, the that on the on the behind the scenes Blu-ray it says the cast introduced the monsters of the story. What are the monsters? Are there multiple different types? I'm now thinking that's not the case. Well, Maybe it's clearly it's a, not Cybermen and Daleks no, and this, that, because she would know, she what, would they know what they are. She would know what they are. So what is it that she sees? What is coming for them? I don't know. Are they Are they, Are they? they ancient? Are we looking at ancient primordial Time Lords? Mm, well, it, the, the like fact that. that Time Lords even get mentioned or Gallifrey gets mentioned somewhere in those things and everyone's forgotten about that because it was so long ago that that promotional piece came out that he mentioned Gallifrey, it is all pointing towards something in special too being potentially Time Lord based. Are we seeing... Is it the beginnings of oh Time Lord God. Origins? Oh, Indigo. Are we seeing the... What is it? The battle zone? The death zone on Gallifrey? I don't know. The death zone? Are we seeing the death zone on Gallifrey? I don't is this know. where we are? There's this the Five Doctors callback that there was a post of the Five Doctors. Mm. Thunder Nerds. There was a Five Doctors related post recently. Are we getting the death zone? Mm. On Gallifrey. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, here's the other thing. Like, we've been told it was shot on green screen. Well, what the set that seems to be in the poster for Wild Blue Yonder looks like a green screen. But the sets that are on the space station stuff, and Russell did say that there were some big physical sets built for Wild Blue Yonder, that doesn't look like green screen. And so that that means that there's whole sections of this story, whole set pieces. It's, it's a very interesting scenario because for the other specials, we know it's in London. We know this is happening. We know the toy maker and beep the meeps there. We don't know what the monster is. We don't know who the guest cast is. For all we know, a huge fan of the show Ryan Gosling could show up in special two as the guest cast member and blows people away that Ryan Gosling's in it. We genuinely have no idea why the names are redacted if it's just a huge guest member that's never been on the show that's appearing, if it's a past doctor, a past companion, to me, it just seems like if you're going to try and get away, if you're going to try and pull the wool over people's eyes with this, well, the smartest place to do it would be special two. You're buttering people up with special one. You're going, hey, look at the meep. Look at Beep the meep. Look at Donna and the and 14 doctors. Like, he's David Tennant. Special three, hey, it's Neil Patrick Harris. Guess what? We're going to let you know pretty early on in set photos that it's the toy maker. They didn't even try and hide it, which makes me think, because I've read things from them as well, saying that when they're on the set for the Star Beast, they were all on Twitter going, oh, this is so weird, like seeing ourselves from different angles. They were looking at all the filming photos and all that. So the fact that they didn't even hide the poster on the in the in the shopping like on the on the on the shop's front window where it said best toy maker award it it almost feels like this toy maker villain has been revealed purposely via filming photos to hide something else 
I, I'm just, I feel like something. All right, Thunderdome. I don't know. Um, we have a hopeful Indigo. We have a hopeful Indigo here. I'm, t- I'm hedging um, my I'm, bets, people. I'm I've doubl- lost all hope. I've lost hope. I'm doubling I'm down. Gonna, uh, I'm going to do it. something crazy here. I'm going to double down and say I'm sticking with my bets of Wild Blue Yonder exactly as they were in our last podcast. I think we're up for something huge in Wild Blue Yonder. I, I'm not even necessarily saying that I want that because if it's all I want is a great Doctor Who story and I actually don't know if having the amount of Doctors I said, like if you have Tom Baker come back as a DH Doctor, if you have Paul McGann, Peter Capaldi, I don't necessarily think that you're going to get everything done in 60 minutes. So I don't even necessarily say that that is what needs to happen or what I want to happen, but I'm just saying it's a possibility I wouldn't be surprised. Put it this way. Where are you at at the moment? If it ends and it's just a bottle story where it's the Doctor and Donna being pushed to the limits and whatnot, are you surprised, Josh? Or are you going, no? no I'm not surprised. Yeah. I, I, I've I've gone through the process. Mm. And I think you think you're going through the grieving process? No. Yeah, I've just, I think I've leapt, leapt straight to the acceptance phase, gotcha. to be honest. Gotcha. I've, I've ex- I'm just accepting that I'm, you know... You can't have everything you want. Yep. Yep. Maybe um maybe the world doesn't care about classic who anymore. And that's that's yep. That's the truth. Yep. Maybe maybe um maybe it's just maybe Tennant and um Tate were the were were the classic doctors right. that came back. Yep. Or the classic doctor and companion. Yep. And that's the whole point of bringing David Tennant back was for the anniversary year. Yep. I would be disappointed, but that's the way the world works. Why the world works. It's the way the fandom works. Well, I guess we we see where it goes. Time will tell. Thunder Nerds, it always does. Wild Blue Yonder is only a week away now. We don't have long, so strap yourselves in. I think that we're in for something. I hope, and and this actually links back with something you just said before. You 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 said you know, have is he is he is he got his toys and he's he, he's he's kind of you know doing everything that he wanted to do and Rose was a different kind of revival where it had to do things differently. I truly believe the answer of where Doctor Who will go in the future, an indication of where it will go with Shudi Gatwa, lies with with Wild Blue Yonder. I really believe that it's time to hedge the bets and say if, if things are what they keep saying, that the future of the experimentation of Doctor Who Star Beast gets you back on board. I think Wild Blue Yonder will be a true indication of what Russell's come back for. And I think we 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 come back and we talk about it after that and we go, where do we think Doctor Who's headed? Are we in crisis mode or are we excited for the future? Interesting. Let's see. Thunder Nerds will be back with Doctor Who um, retrospective very, very soon. And... Uh, also Star Trek as well as usual. So, is there any final words, Josh? Do we want to rate the Star Beast? Star Beast. Where does it go for you? Give it a ranking. Um, a lot. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me think about this. Mm-hmm. High Thunderbird three, low Thunderbird two. I can't decide. Yeah, I think maybe, maybe, maybe. Upper, upper, upper echelon Thunderbird 3 for me. Yep. Uh, I think for the amount of fun that I had with this story, um, I'm going to give it, and and 
solely essentially because of the amount of fun that I have with it. Um, I'm going to give it a Thunderbird 2, but it's the low Thunderbird 2 for me. I, I think I was exactly with Josh um, when I was thinking about this earlier today, that it was going to be a high 3 or a, or a low 2, and I think it lands a low 2 for me. So there you go, a Thunderbird 2 low, a Thunderbird 3 high for Josh. That is the Star Beast. We'll be back soon. Just quickly, I always forget to say it. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, um, wherever you are listening to it, um, give it a rating, um, follow us so that you can be up to date and get the notifications when brand new pods drop. Um, we're doing the Star Trek retrospective every week, the Doctor Who retrospective every week, and we're also doing your weekly wrap-ups. And you know when things like this happen as well, we're also doing these reviews for something like the Star Beast. So guys, please, again, follow, rate, it all helps. Switching to horizontal flight, FAB, Thunder Nerds, out.